I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots.
What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey, idiots. This is episode 17 of the top 40 episodes of all time. Countdown, the constant work of recovery with Eleanor Conway. It is such hilarious irony that this is the episode that follows the last episode where I was talking to someone in the throes of addiction. And then the immediate next most popular episode is someone talking about constantly working on their recovery, uh, which... I fucking, who knows, with the tear I went on in the intro of that last episode. Eleanor's fucking amazing. She's such a funny comedian. She's based out of the UK. If you ever get a chance to see her, you don't miss it. She's so fucking hilarious. And that's not the point of our conversation, but you need to know that. She literally is one of the funniest comedians I've ever fucking seen. I love her. And this conversation was super insightful. She talks about how much work it is. To stay, you know, sober if you're an addict, which I'm going to have to re-listen to this because I fucking need the reminder of how hard people are working and how hard it is. Uh, And probably a lot of nuggets I could take away for my own vices and just my own lifestyle because she's just, I don't know. I don't want to say she works a program because that's not even what this is about, but, uh, and I don't even know if that's true. And I know that's like an anonymous thing if it was, I truly that aside she has a routine it's her she is very diligent and you'll hear that in this because she knows that a slip up would fuck up everything that she's worked for and so she has prioritized herself and I think that's even if you're not struggling with your recovery struggling with your addiction something to take away from this is the importance of prioritizing yourself and how actually where a lot of us are conditioned to go oh it's so selfish it's it's not it's if you're at your healthiest you can be the best for other people around you you can show up in your best self it's putting on your oxygen mask first and i'm gonna shut the fuck up and i keep saying that i'm gonna shut the fuck up in these intros and here and look i'm still me so no further ado man we're really getting up in this countdown i'm so excited i hope you guys are enjoying this as much as i am uh i'm gonna go listen to this episode right now you enjoy it too Inside addiction, no, Jesus Christ, outside of addiction, I guess, would have been a great name for this. The Constant Work of Recovery, episode 17 in the countdown with the incredible Eleanor Conway. We're on now. You can tell me if I need to be quieter. No, I, I'm going to be honest. I put the headphones in. But you don't know what you're doing. No, I just go testing and the bars move and I'm like, okay, it's working. So everyone listening, now you know why sometimes the audio quality is probably terrible. <laughs> Hi, idiots. That's what I call my podcast fans. It's a whole thing. You guys, I'm here with Eleanor Conway. Hi. <laughs> Already off to a great start. <laughs> um, my flatmate in Edinburgh, hilarious comedian. I just watched her show, Walk of Shame. Two. Uh, two. Walk of Shame, two. Mm. It's so funny. Thanks, man. You're incredible. Oh, um, thanks. Uh, as someone who has been on several Walk of Shames, I was like, I have to see this. I look up to you. Uh 
let's we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about a lot of things, but I think the root of this is we are going to talk about sobriety. Oh yeah, Eleanor is is also like a by the way because when you say your name with your accent, you go like Eleanor. Yeah. Is it annoying to hear an American voice go, Eleanor? I lived, I lived in, uh, I lived in Taipei with four Canadians, so I'm oh. absolutely used to it. Okay, because I wondered. Like, hey, Eleanor, I'm like, hey. oh God, don't you know my name's Eleanor? Eleanor, Eleanor, Eleanor. Hey, now you're kind of sober. BC. You pronounce the O R. I'm just, I'm just, um, I'm just compassionate to North Americans. To our dumb. You're going dumb through brain. a tough time. You really the are. least I can do is just let you mispronounce my name for we're, a little bit. We're just like all little kids who live in an abusive household and you're like yeah they're a weird kid but like they're dead yeah oh no (sighs) so okay it's been interesting because uh for anyone who's never been to the french festival um a lot of partying a lot of just late nights yeah my other roommates are have just been going way hard which i just don't have the capacity to do but i've tried a few times um have you been here drinking? Yes, I have. 2011 was my first Edinburgh. And 2011 in Edinburgh was when I realized I needed to get sober. That was it? You're like, this is my rock It bottom. was one of them. Yeah. I was, I was, what was I doing? I was living with, I was living in a flat with an, with an ex addict, with a, someone in recovery. And, uh, I, I was doing a voiceover job for a, for a, ne- a news agency in, in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. And so every morning they'd expect me to record celebrity news items in my closet um, <laughs> I love the <laughs> like when you look behind the curtain of He's working like, in entertainment. And now uh, Kim Kardashian just uh, touched down in LAX. She's wearing a fur gilet, and it was all that sort of stuff. It was all that sort of like trashy, <laughs> like pop culture, pop culture, short bits of um, stuff. So I had to do that in the morning. The thing is, I'd be up until about three or four a.m. getting absolutely wasted. Oh fuck, wasted. I was m I was emceeing a night. Plus, I was doing a chat show up here. So, and then plus, I was I was like properly like sort of almost at my rock bottom. Oh wow, you were just like in a downward slide. Yeah, to... like to, like three weeks in, I was like coughing up little mini aliens of phlegm. It was gross. Oh. I've never had something so physically detrimental to my body. Oh my god, was it just like drinking and then like whatever drugs you could get your hands on? Was d- it I've never specific? done drugs up in Edinburgh. I know really? there's a lot of cocaine up here, but I've never really done it. I wouldn't know. I mean, other than seeing people who are very clearly on cocaine and I'm like, "Oh, you do that here too." I realized recently that the amount of people that have been in my circle for years as acquaintances that I somehow didn't realize were constantly doing cocaine. And then now I'm like, <laughs> well, are you even a fun person or are you just on cocaine all the time? And what's funny is like, before I got, before sobriety, before sobriety, like if anyone was exhibiting any cocaine tendencies, I'd sniff it out and I'd want some. <laughs> but now I'm sober. Like people can have like, they'll be like disappearing to the toilets every five. I'm like, why are they, why are they go? Oh, 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 they're doing cocaine. Oh, and it would take me like three hours. I'm an f- absolute moron now. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel like I've always been oblivious to, yeah, like hard drug use. Unless. Is cocaine hard drug use? Yes, Eleanor. I think meth and heroin are hard drug use. I, I think, think they're co- more hard. I think cocaine just has a good PR vehicle. It's been made to look glamorous, mm. but it's not good for you. But then I also just go. <laughs> Well, the amount of people who have assumed I do cocaine because my personality is just too much. I'm like, oh, fuck all you people doing cocaine. I have to live with this brain every day. <laughs> um, okay, so, wow. Edinburgh is when you realized you need to get sober. It was, one of, it was one of them. Yeah, it was one of them. But I had, like, 2012, 2013, which were 
just the descent. I wasn't really doing comedy then, and it was just a real sort of descent into like I I am. This is a very egotistical place, which is like my biggest defect of character. And so, like, if it's not checked, like I, I was spending thousands and thousands of pounds on like like posters, those big posters that oh, do yeah. nothing, like for this show that I was like hosting. It was a chat show. Oh wow! Um, and you know, I've just paid the debt off. That's how much money it was. That's crazy. That was like 2011? 2012, 13. Oh, 13. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. And you weren't even doing stand-up then. You were just like kind hosting. of a hosting. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It is a big, you, the ego thing here is like crazy because it's, it's. You can come here with the, the best intention that you're just going to be like, I'm just going to get better as an artist. And then you start to see, I mean, it's, it's 26 days of relentless. You see your colleagues on the wall everywhere you go. Yeah. With stars, with visualizations of acclaim yeah, that maybe like, you're not receiving. And so then you go like, am I a piece of shit? Yeah. And even when you're winning Edinburgh, when you've, you're getting all the reviews and you're getting nominated, there's still, a, you know, I've spoken to friends and they're like, you know, there's still that level of I'm not doing good enough. So it's like, it's almost like this constant yearning for what's above you, but nobody ever satiated. It's, it's, well, it's, yeah. Well, because it's always like, what are we even, that thing that so many people are chasing with. I guess any industry technically, but just that like, if I get this, I'll feel better. If I get that, I'd feel better. And it's like, oh, there's not a thing. You have to just work on feeling better. Yeah, that's it. It has to come with, from within. And that's really hippie. And I'm, I can't believe that's actually coming out of my mouth in 2018, but it's completely true. Yeah, I, well, I remember having that realization because I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of a cynic with hippie shit, or I always yeah. have been, and going like, yeah, okay. And then when it really occurred to me and hit me, because it's sort of just kind of, in, in my experience, stuff like that like realizing it actually has to come from within was this like internal realization that i'm like ah damn it like it really uh, okay like which is kind of good because then it feels like oh, well then there's not if you can harness that there's not like an external thing that's going to you can go like yeah that'd be great to win the award but like i'm gonna be okay either way yeah if i can get a handle on it yeah you're playing the long game there's a perception i mean there's so many times in this fringe where i've had a massive perception problem yeah. And the problem is if you let that sort of negative perception affect your action, then do you know what I mean? Because yeah. the action that we put in each day is getting up early, working on our show, getting to bed at a reasonable time, doing all that self that self-care stuff. Yes. And doing delivering consistency in the best show. But if I let my little head go, Oh, you know, you're rubbish yeah. and start feeling like depressed about it and sit in bed, then um then I'm not gonna work as hard, am I? No, then you just become less productive and then you start suffering the show and then it just, yeah, yeah. the cycle. It's like a bit of self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, it's like a snowball effect. Yeah. How long, okay. When did you start? It was drinking like your main thing? Um, I've always been a really big drinker. So like, uh, yeah, drinking and then and then drugs. I, you know, I, I, grew, I was a teen in like the sort of, um, uh, like when as the um, <clears throat> as the sort of generation of clubbing and raving sort of hit the UK back oh, in the sort wow. of like early nineties. Yeah, I'm forty now, guys. Can you believe it? I don't look. It. I you don't, and Thanks. it pisses me off because I am not aging well. I am on a downward spiral towards looking eighty, but especially considering you you had so much like alcohol and drug <laughs> yes! use, it's like Jesus. Yes, thanks, Mum. Uh, but I'm boring now. I go to sleep, and I, you know, I'm I'm really boring. But do you do a lot of self care? Not not as much as that's something that that's coming. That's sort of like edging its way into my life. Yeah, okay. Like self care, like like well, it's you know, hard. Buy, buying the right size clothes. 
Yeah. Do you know what I, mean? I loved that bit of yours, by the way, that you're just. Well, the sh- in the show. You talked about, yeah, how you talk. Well, I don't like give away the whole show. No, but it's fine. We're talking about buying the wrong size clothes. You're like, well, I'm not going to be this size forever. Yeah. Like it's so relatable to, or just holding on to a pair of jeans that's too small and going like, well, I'm going to lose the weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, but the, so that's something I had to look at. Even recently, I'm four years sober. I was like, why have I got so many size 10? That size ten's quite small in the UK. Like size yeah, well, no, because when you said when you said that I went American sizes, and I was like, no fucking way. That like, and it doesn't matter. But when you were like size ten versus size fourteen, I was like, that has to be different than the US sizes. Yeah, I think your um, your size zero is like a size six here. Okay, so I think it's I think like a size ten is like a size four or six. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, but um, yeah, I've I've got this aspirational size that I'm for twenty years I've been clinging on to this hope, and I've only been a size ten for four weeks. Yeah, once on like a coke bender. No, when I was <laughs> um, on the run from this mad bloke that was just a psychopath, <laughs> and were you just like eat. stressed? Wait, yes, yeah, so like, stressed, and I just couldn't eat. But I was really scared. But isn't I was very that skinny. always the yeah? Where you're like, I'm not doing well, but look how good. Look, how look at these hot. cheekbones. <laughs> yeah, I look really gorgeous. God, being a woman is a fucking nightmare. That's it's a like real head fuck when you get your heart broken and <laughs> and you're like, oh, and friends like, well, at least you're gonna lose weight. That's what happens. My friend said that, and I was like, <laughs> and that's all you have to help like cling to. <laughs> No, that's a huge thing. Well, and it's always just like with clothing. And I mean, who the fuck am I? But just uh, when people try to dress smaller, like they just, no, I'm definitely this size. It's like, okay, well, no one can see the size inside of your pants, but like we can all see whatever you're wearing is not the right size. That's why I think Instagram is really good. You know, you've got all this sort of like, you know, um, Chloe Kardashian. She's doing like the good America. You know, that there's lots of brands and, you know, Instagram sort of influences that are coming out that aren't. The size zero. The size zero. And I think that's wonderful. I wish I'd had that growing up. Yeah, the body positivity to go like, hey, yeah. you know what? You can look like this and still be happy with who you yeah. are. Yeah, and that's uh, that's one that's one thing that I think that's really blossomed out of you know this whole Instagram thing, which you know, and also like um, Fen- like is it um Rihanna's Fenty? Yeah, getting makeup for yeah, like skin like- colors that like people felt left out i mean can you imagine that that i, I just it's something as a white person i never really considered that, well you didn't have to it didn't have to occur to you yeah but then i'm like oh wow like people didn't have like a color to suit their skin tone that's mad that's crazy and i just like i hear my like uh, i have you know i'm friends with a bunch of comics who are women of color and they've talked about several times going on set and none of the makeup artists that are being paid have the right makeup for them they don't know how to do their hair like the hairstylist and it's like oh Wow, I, me- uh, I remember chatting to a comic, and she said um, a makeup artist used chocolate powder. No, yeah, as, as chocolate powder. Can you fu- can you believe that? No, <laughs> that's crazy. It's mad. Ah, oh, that's so frustrating. But I d- I, it's just something that you never uh, never really thought. I guess about that's it the priv- part of the privilege. I saw, of. Until I saw the joy of like on it on the social, I was like, wow. Oh right, that's that's mad. Yeah. That's crazy. That is mad. But then I suppose you think of like a Western brand like L'Oreal. I suppose if one West, one very sort of white Mainstream. Caucasian sort of like brand just sets these boundaries, then I suppose bringing a big brand is, is big business, isn't it? It's big money. Yeah. It's also to me almost like at this point, it's like 2018 and it's like you're still not targeting an entire market. Like if one of those major makeup brands had been like, by the way, now we're releasing this. But I suppose it's because that we've got globalization. So essentially every brand that's hitting is hitting a worldwide market. Yeah. So they're not just hitting like England or like Norway or just, you know, yeah. they're hitting like this global 
market that is a you know it's a bit more you know it's a bit more like well you've got black people in Africa and America and all that yeah do you know what I mean you've got like it's not just it's focused not just in one sort of mini territory that's true I bet Africa's got loads of music like makeup brands maybe or maybe I don't know what the culture is there because then I, I go like know. when when people go like now there's makeup for every skin tone i'm like that's great now we can all be like i'm not good enough and i'll put this paint on to cover <laughs> it um i say as i am like oh god i need to wear more makeup um i have a mixed relationship with makeup but fuck oh sobriety well where were we okay so did you have like a specific so you started drinking in your teens yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the culture in the UK, I don't know what it's like in America, but the culture it's in the pretty UK... pretty early drinking, right? Like, there's a lot of drinking here. Yeah, like, and in the 90s, it was very much... The idea of a woman was very much a ladette. So mm. I don't know if you know that terminology. It's a bit, a bit of a lead. It was like a female... Like version. a tomboy. Yeah, but it was very... It was it was revel. It was, it was revel. Like, you'd... The whole culture was, like, loaded magazine, which was very tits and, like... Let's go to the football drinking pints. Oh yeah, glamour girls. Bro culture. Yeah, very br- it, br- a British version of bro culture. Yeah, yeah. And the whole thing was, if you want to be the best bird, female, you've got to <laughs> drink and do as many drugs as possible. And that was the culture. And wow, it was the culture. And now it's not like that. It's like Instagram, healthy green. You know, doing abs and all that stuff. Oh, but I the- should do abs. Yeah, let's do abs together. Tomorrow. You want to do a workout? Not really. Okay. Thank but God. that, but that was the <laughs> but that was the culture. It was about drinking as much as possible and doing as many drugs just as possible. Not giving a fuck and being wild. Yeah, just the mo the more wasted you had, sort of like people, females on telly like Zoe Ball and you know I think she was presenting Radio One Breakfast Show at the time, which was like the big sort of radio station, and oh, wow. and it was all about like Chris Moyles this time when they would be like, has he turned up for work? He's been out on a bender till like oh, six wow. a.m. and then rocking into the it's station. Like everyone was Courtney Love. Yeah, everybody was Courtney Love. That's such a good that yeah. Yeah, that's such oh, a good the Courtney Love era. It was, but that's wow. pretty, that's why we love Courtney Love here so much because she's us. She's like, you're like, yeah, she gets it. Yeah. So it's just ingrained in our culture. So in, it's in not like you weren't oddly nah. drinking. It wasn't like you were the weird nah. train wreck of your friend group. It's just that's how things were. Yeah. And then you add in drugs and there was a, a music sort of trend at the time. I know you guys have embraced EDM, but like that was a thing for like. Mm, 25 years yeah well wasn't it called something else before that it was just called like there was house music and then there was like bump i've never liked it and i guess it's also because i'm never on the right drugs for it i'm sure it's much better when you're on yeah i mean i really liked it yeah i mean i really liked that culture because it was very sort of like peace love and unity and everyone's embraced did you wear like the baggy pants with cartoons on them like rave clothing no but i did once do you know what tipex is no. The whiteouts. Do you know whiteouts? Whiteout, yeah. Yeah, I used to do my nails in whiteout. In whiteout. And wear white <sighs> and then just like. Just be all white. Because the black lights, right? At yeah. parties? Yeah. I just go in black and then you see where there's cum stains on my <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's just cum on my face. <laughs> People are like, ew. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> well then, so all of your friends were kind of the same then. Yeah, but I didn't, I think I just, I don't think I had, I had quite a lot of fair weather friends, I think. I found it difficult. I think it's only in later life that I managed to uh, sort of have a good social group around me. Oh, yeah, because everyone's just kind of like, I do drugs and I'm drinking and I'm a fun person, but we're not like very deep. Yeah. Mm. But you are deep, but it's only because you're on ecstasy. Yeah, it's just for that moment, like, I love you. Oh, I've never met anyone like you before. And in the morning, they're like, who are you? Who are you? (laughs) Like every man I've met on MDMA, I'm like, he's the one. Oh, my God. (gasps) No, let's have sex now. No, I need it. We can't it. wait. This magic is too much. Yeah. 
Oh my god. <laughs> this is so beautiful. And then oh god. I've never done MDMA. Does it have a come down? Yeah. Is it like the next day a serotonin I, drop and you're yeah, like, it's oh. totally like I am so, so it's like Edinburgh, but like about a million times worse. Edinburgh three week three and a half weeks in. But oh, like, when you hit that wall and you're, you're like, like, What am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh God. I, am I just here because I'm getting high on life? Okay, wait. <laughs> so did you have a specific moment that was an actual rock bottom or was it just a pile up? Um, I think it was, there was always, there's signs like 2011 Edinburgh was like train horrible, wreck. just could train wreck. And you know, my life was falling apart a little bit. I was doing, I was working in music mm. and then um, I was working in music presenting and then I was just, I just kind of got to the, got to as far as I could go or as I felt I got, got and I got, I kind of, happened i don't want to get any any legal trouble but um <laughs> i was working on a show and then and then the show moved on without me and yeah, i was they're like, were, they were like we're going a different direction yeah well they didn't tell me oh and so they had new hosts and i was like hang on i just created this show <gasps> um, <Ooh. so> <clears throat> um and it was quite yeah so after that and that was qu- quite a big brand i was like i don't want to start from the bottom and i was just like you know what i was, I was just a bit 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 tired of music and i just kind of went behind the scenes for a bit and then that sort of that sort of fell apart because I couldn't keep a job down basically because I was just drinking too much. Oh and, wow! Um, and then and then I was just sort of living a lie a little bit and just kind of was just going out all the time. And I did Edinburgh a couple more times and they progressively got more, you know, m- much worse. I got pregnant in one of them. What? I was, yeah, I found out I was pregnant the penultimate day of Edinburgh one year and I was just like. It, it, that was a real rock bottom. I was oh, just like, "Fuck, dude!" Here's my kid now. No, we didn't keep it. I mean, he doesn't know. Oh, he doesn't know you were ever pregnant. Yeah, I know. I think I know who the dad was. That I think. I, it was oh, is that a thing where yeah, you're yeah. like, I think I know who it is, but yeah. I'm not totally yeah. sure. Yeah, I don't think it was my dealer, and that's that's that's, that's the main thing. Because yeah. well, either way, kid. it's dead. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wow. awful. Yeah, well, it was that just, is a. I've never. I sometimes think that because I've gone through some crazy sex periods and sometimes I'm wonder if I'm infertile because that's never happened. Look, look, I'm really, I was really unmanageable around my sexual conduct and, um, you know, part of the risk taking and the drama, like, you know, I'm an addict, you know, I'm an alcoholic. I like, you go for the thrill. Yeah. I go for drama. How reckless can I make my life? Because it distracts, it distracts from me investing in life because I'm fearful that I won't be successful in life. So instead I'll just, I'll just, yeah, I'll just, yeah, I'll just completely self-destruct. Um, and that has to be one of the, that, that was really just 2013 was really like, that was really great. Just being, I was in the KFC restaurant up the corner, around the corner. And I was like, um, I feel like I'm a bit late. And then I did a pregnancy test and just broke down in the toilet of the KFC. And it was just, it was just like, I think it was like the two days before the end of the fringe. And I, I just come into the fringe and I'd already given up. But I'd invest, I'd throw money that I didn't have. I borrowed money off my mum, credit Oof. cards, loans. And um, I'd really thought, thrown thrown something external at the problem. And I thought that that could fix it. But, all you know, all that stuff is 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 a reminder of, of, of it's, it's, it, it, it makes me the person that I am now. Yeah. 100%. Because now I don't get worried about these posters in the same way that I would have because I've had those posters and they haven't translated into ticket sales. And you're like, I know that it doesn't necessarily mean anything. 100% it doesn't. And it's all about ego. 
And ego for me is like my biggest defect of character. It's pride. And it's what will fuck you up. Yeah. Ego is a huge a hurdle for so many people. Sure. And you see it. You see it. If somebody gets success and then they're not in the right mindset, they turn into a massive cunt. Yes. I've seen it. You've seen it. Oh, God. I know so many. All of my friends are starting to like pop. And you, I've seen a few people like, oh, you're not. This is bad. Well, that's it. I mean, look, just because you're successful doesn't mean you have to be a dick. Yes. Or it's like some people I think get this. They get success and then they're like, well, I must just be a brilliant and the best at everything. And it's like, you're still just a person. You should act like a person. Yeah. And I've seen, and and you know, and you you know those people because they're like, oh, I mean, look, this person's quite divisive. You know, oh, she's just, you know, she's just, she's just, you know, she's just, she's, she's, they kind of make allowance and you're like, that's just how she is. That's just like, that's not okay. Yeah. yeah, Oh, when people start getting like cunty and and, like their ego just inflates and it's like, yeah, you're like good at your job. So you've gotten things theoretically, that's not even always the case, but it's like, you're not better than anyone. I mean, the amount of people I've seen get a blue check mark on Twitter and think that they're more important. It's like, no, 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 you're just, your voice is not like everyone everyone i don't know i'm very like we're all humans and everyone's really equal some of us have skills in different directions but like you're not better than anyone sure you're just yeah, yeah, yeah. doing better at something yeah i think i think i think that's um that could that's a real turn off for me or if someone enters a conversation and they spend 10 minutes throwing what they've done and what's happening for them at you and uh. they don't and it's not a, not a conversation i just switch off and i'm like i'm it, out of here yes it's not mutual that's a big it happens constantly in LA. He doesn't ask, how are you? It's like, well, you don't give a fuck, do you? You don't give a fuck. You're just going, I've done this. I've got this. I'm amazing. It's like, whoa. Yeah, like what the fuck? It happens, I don't know, in Los Angeles. Have you been to LA? Yeah, I fell in love with a Mexican guy called uh, called Joey. Oh. But he ended up being gay. Uh, been there. Not at all. I fell in love with a Mexican man once, but he ended up being, we weren't in love. Actually, I was just in a place of self-destruction. He was a bad person. Not because he was Mexican. Uh, that oh was my just God, a coincidence. Oh my God, Mexican-American too. Uh, but, uh, oh, anyway. Uh, I've derailed. You are. Um, oh, in LA, it's like, if you ask someone how they are, that's what happens. Like, everyone oh, they start rattling off the things they're doing. And I've noticed lately that when it's such a thing that when people ask me how I am and I'll just go, I'm good. It's like they're like, oh. like I can, like sometimes if they're that kind of person, I see this internal panic of like, well, is she doing so good that she's comfortable not talking about her or is she not doing anything? It's like, why aren't, like they're like, why aren't you telling me the things? Oh, really? Because they're like, oh, hey, good to see you. It's been a while. How are you? And they'll be like, well, I'm doing this. I have a meeting and I sold this. And, and it's like, I don't, how are you? Like, you're, you are not the, check marks you've gotten on your career like well maybe we're doing it wrong maybe we should be like that hello i think that if i i I mean i go back and forth because i'm like maybe that helps you get ahead because people like they're doing shit and then they want to give you more but i've just gotten to a place where and i'm doing so well no i just am like i I used to be so like oh, oh if i have this or like i you know thinking that like what i'm doing is equivalent to who I am and I don't feel that way anymore. Like the things I've done and where I've been is not who I am as a person. And all I really want to do is comedy. So it's like, I love stand up, but so I would do other things. Theoretically, I'll attempt to like do TV or whatever to facilitate that. But like, I don't, I don't, I no longer like have this thing where I think I'll feel better if I get a check mark. I'm just like, I feel fine. And like, that would be great. But I don't know. No, I'm rambling about. 
I, th- I think if it's if it's mates, if you know the person, yeah, and they're like. And th- that that annoys me. They're like, you you meet up, you go for coffee, and then that's all they're doing. I'm You're like, this like, isn't a business meeting. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm, I'm not an agent. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like I get doing that if like you're trying to if you're talking to someone who like maybe is a manager. I still don't do it, but like a manager or an agent, and you're trying to just you know make them think that you have things going on. Yeah, I guess I kind of get it, but they have to just do it to your friend. It's like I don't. Yeah, I don't get it. Like you can let me like if you have a thing and I'm your friend and you want to go. Oh my god, I just got this thing. I'll be yeah, happy yeah. for you. Oh yeah, toast. <sighs> oh, okay wait sobriety yeah <laughs> um wh- how did you approach getting sober did you have a day where you're like this is it i'm done let me pour out all my liquor let me go to a meeting like did you immediately go to like meeting type stuff um so basically one of the reasons that i went into recovery is uh professional envy 100 percent. like oh. i'm so ego led and so, you know, I, as a drunk, I've got high ambition, uh-huh. but I've got like, I'd be like, I'm going to do this. And yeah. I'd be doing like a line of Coke with some random bitch. And you're like, like, I'm going to open a corporation. We're going to, we're going to make a million before breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like very high ego, but very like low product productivity. productivity. <laughs> <laughs> just like doing Coke. <laughs> I'm brilliant. You're just covered in yeah, cocaine. I'm brilliant. <laughs> doing shit cocaine in east london. you're not even doing good cocaine no it's shit i live in london it's shit um and i think it was i think it was seeing someone i think i could live in denial like oh i'm gonna do it. i'm putting it off i'm gonna do it one day right yeah and then as i started to see um you know other other people that i look that, up to that i was just like how, how have they got that that it was more like that how have they got that oh because they've not been waking up in a man's bed every day for for the last oh. yeah for the last decade that's probably why so you were like i need to do this so yeah. that i can get those things yeah that's basically it um yeah, whatever gets you there I guess. um and then i think i put a post on facebook and i was like hey god all my all my posts pre-2014 were like oh my god i'm so hungover right <laughs> <laughs> is it so funny when the facebook memories pop up and yeah. you're like jesus christ yeah 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 like a free bar like if there's a free bar i'm getting eight drinks but for me i'm not getting you any drinks i'm <laughs> getting eight drinks oh fuck yeah that's that's i was like that's impressive i was like there's a photo that clocked up of just a tray of my drinks a a group table by the way i'm like these are all mine you cunts fuck off (laughs) because i'm like i don't want to go out for one and i don't want to do you know what i mean it's just the bar gets crowded i'm gonna bring them all now yeah and just throw them back i'm being efficient i'm being efficient you're like i was it was alcoholism but it was very efficient alcoholism absolutely 100 percent um, and uh, I put a, I put a hair bit out for three days. Um, and then someone reached out to me. And they're like, an hey, actor. I'm worried about you. No, they were like, they did the whole sort of like AA, uh, 12 step cliche. Like, uh, if you don't go to the barbers, you won't get, or the, if you go to the barbers enough times, you'll get your hair cut or something like that. That doesn't actually make sense. But I was like, yeah. how did you do it? And he was like, and then he took me to my first meeting. Ah, uh, what an angel. Yeah, it's uh. good. Yeah, to, so 12 step works for me, 100%. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that like, I think there are people that it works for and some people have to take other approaches or like they go and they're like, I get it, but like this isn't, because are you someone who you think you're going to be like, um, like a lifetime recovery person where you're like constantly. I think so. Look, I, I look, I, you know, I, I struggle with the whole, like, if you take one drink, you're gonna die. <laughs> I don't think it's that, but I, I do, th- I do think that if I drink, look, I'm obsessive and very, uh, I'm, I would say I'm hyper-focused when I, like I'm hyper-focused. Yes. And you can see that on like, in the last four years I've gone from like, 
not being a comic to touring an international show. Exactly. Yeah. So no, it's I like, totally understand. And that's, and that's because I'm sober and that's because I'm hyper focused. Yes. And I wake up and I'm like, the the, the hyper focusedness that I have when I'm drinking and taking drugs, that's just gone that's into just that. That's just into drinking. So now it's gone into your comedy. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Oh, God. I get that so much. So, but, so I just think, even, even though I might, I don't want to take the risk. But I'm pretty sure I'm not cured in inverted commas because I'm still obsessive around sugar and men. Yeah, you have other things that it translates to. So I know I'm not cured. It's that it's that same like same compulsion. That same. It's just you've transferred it. I've just transferred it. So, so if I just open up, because alcohol and drugs are magnifiers, aren't they? Yeah. Like the, there's, you know, I've woken up in fucking like car crashes in hospital. Just fuck. Yeah. Just you know, I've been taken. You know, I you know, I've been fired from every job I've ever worked at. So it's. By the way, if if I do apply for a job for like a temporary job, just uh, I'm changed. Um, if you're listening, if you're listening. If you're thinking about hiring me. I mean, you're by far the most hyper-focused person I've seen at Edinburgh. I'm, like, looking around her room now. She's got all these, like, work post-its and stuff. And, like, it's very impressive because... Well, A, because there's just so much theoretical temptation just for social interaction if you're yeah. someone who's, like, a social person. But on a completely different level, I get pretty workaholic-y, I think. No one would debate that with my comedy. And seeing your room makes me feel, like that that's okay <laughs> like i'm like normalized yeah. i'm like oh, okay so other people do this but the, th- the thing is because the first walk of shame look the first walk of shame i t- i debuted here in 2016 on the free free fringe which is where you just put money in the bucket at the end and then and then after that i was so like hyped up i was like everyone has to see this show and i self-produced a hundred day 10 country tour right and because i know that i can do that it means i can do edinburgh where i don't when I keep my head down a little bit more because I know that this isn't the end of it. Yeah, you're like, this is not where it stops. No, this is this is a very small component in the bigger plan. Oh, fuck. Which is, tour. you know, I'm going to take Walk of Shame 2 and I'm going to go back and tour all those places oh and hopefully I'll God. come to America. Yeah, oh, I want you to. I want to go to all those places. I, I, you're great. Thanks, man. Yeah, but I, I d- but that's that's it's that's confidence and that's self esteem because I've gone out and I've done that. And so and you I, know that you can do it. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's sort of I, if I wasn't an alcoholic I wouldn't have been like I'm gonna go because at first I was like I'll just do 20 date tour I'll just do a 28 tour 28 tour that's an accomplishment isn't it I haven't yeah. got an agent I don't like the 20 date tour yeah. and then I was like oh yeah okay well more. Uh, well, maybe I'll do a 30, 30 date tour 30 date tour 30 date tour oh uh, maybe I'll do like a 50 50 oh 100 we're gonna do 100 oh my god you and I are so similar in our like obsessiveness over work yeah because that's how because that, that's how my career grew and then all of a sudden people who i still look up to are like can you would you mind sitting down with me and talking about touring and i'm like why do you need my what yeah and it's just it's w- leaning into something and realizing you're like oh i can do this and also doing stuff that other people aren't doing when people are like you're going on tour and i'm like yeah and they were like you don't have an agent and you're not on tv oh fuck those people did you get people going that's not a tour um, yeah, actually, I d- there was a post on like one of those bullshit sort of groups on Facebook that go, a tour is when you stay over in a hotel. And I was like, oh, my God, is my tour not good enough? I posted one time I like went to whatever fucking dictionary website and I got the definition of tour. Yeah. And I like cropped it. And I was like, actually, I am on tour <laughs> by definition because I did a lot of like just couch surfing grungy touring that's for right. my first few years and i remember some comics being like it's not really a tour and i'm like you're sitting on your ass in los angeles doing nothing it. it's 
it's a tour. People are coming to see me. So. That's it. And that's what you're doing. You're building your audience. Yeah. It's like grassroots. Well, the thing is, club tour. The um, I, the the market in the UK now is like club comedy. The clubs, the club circuit, is so saturated, and it's the entry level sort of essentially. That's what you do, and then you hope to get picked up for someone that takes you for touring. I'm, I've just kind of bypassed that and gone. And it's only because I'm insecure that I won't be good enough. So I've gone, I know what I'll do. I'll just run the show myself. Well, no, yeah, because it's like, I don't want to let anyone down. I don't want, I have trust issues. Well, I'm, I'm just concerned that I won't be good enough. And I hate giving the power to someone go, yep, she's good enough for five minutes. Yeah, it's like, I'm not going to let you dictate how I feel about That's myself. It. I want to take the ownership back. But also it's like, it, for me, it's like, if I've got to impress 20 promoters around the UK to book me for a free five minutes, then a free 10 minutes, and then try and convince them to give me paid work, that's a lot of time investment. Yeah, and it's like that they're probably making money off of, and you're not. Well, well, no, it's more like, I don't know what they like about me and what they don't like about me. Yeah, and I just can't do the... I'm fine getting up and being like, here's my set, hope you like it, but I don't know if there's this in London, but... in sometimes it feels like there's this extra like I gotta hang out and like pretend to be friends with you all night yeah it's politics cause it's like oh they're gonna book their friend who maybe isn't as funny but they like hanging out with them and it's like I can't no the only relationship that matters is between you and the audience that's all that matters yes isn't it no that and that's and that's really, that if people if people love you They'll come and find you. And the thing is, if you're like a strong female that's kind of breaking the mold a bit, and I'm not saying that I am, but I'm definitely not. I'm, I you are. But I, d I definitely do, do talk about things that I don't think other women talk about or men, men yeah. really in the same way. Or they're way. not putting out a lot of the, the quote, you know, industry decision makers. They're not giving the opportunity for people to find those women yeah, yeah. as much. Yeah. And a, a lot of women, that a lot of people come and see me, they're like, they've never been to see comedy before. So essentially I'm extracting a new audience. Yes. And nobody knows how to do that until, until you do it. Until you do it. And you're like, oh, do you get, let me ask you this, this is completely off topic, but now that you've done your tour, yeah. do you get a lot of people just wanting you to give them some magical piece of advice about touring? No, but I have seen a shift in how people perceive me. and Because and, and, I, I very much felt like an outsider and the couple of times I've gone to the bars, I've been like, oh, and I've like, oh, you know who I am. Oh, this is, a, okay, hi. And yeah. that's interesting. But yeah. um, I guess word gets around. I guess, oh, I mean, yeah, it's like you're good, you're doing this thing, people see it. I I just I've had people go like we should go on tour together and I'm like oh because I know how to tour sure but you shouldn't get defensive about that you should use that to advantage yeah because essentially if they've got something that you need of course so that's that's fine yeah. you've got a bargaining chip there's something of worth in that which is like yeah you just work together and you give each other different things but if it's not worth it to you don't bother like I've had, I've had acts ask me to agent like take them on tour and th and I've run the numbers and I know how much work I put in for how much money and I just think. I'm only good doing it for myself. Like when yeah, I yeah, because it's not it's not enough money, and it's definitely not fulfilling. And the administrative to, side is like it's a nightmare. <sighs> and also for to, for it to be worth, you have to have a you would have to have a, a long standing relationship with the act. And it's like I don't want to be an agent, mate. I'm not interested. Yeah. Oh fuck. I've realised when I was editing hardcore pornography, I realised <laughs> <laughs> that I don't like producing stuff that I'm not in. Yeah, that's an important thing to know. <laughs> You're like this should be my asshole. This this should be my. I could gang do bang. this. I'm not going to, but I could. Yeah, yeah. No, because it, it's just, <laughs> you know, but it's hard to say that. Like, if, maybe if I had the opportunity to produce something with someone whose comedy I really like, it would be different. But if nah, but it's like, oh, if I don't, I'm feel... too fearful that people will like them over me. I'm completely so insecure. Really, I'm okay with people. I don't think I, I think I used to feel very competitive, especially towards other women. I had this like, 
when I first started this sort of like, I want to be like the, the lady that people go like, she's the one when I was brand new. And now I'm, I've hit a re- weird wall too, where I think I'm have a deep fear of any more success, which is not, I don't have time to go into, but like, I'm totally cool with like, you're killing it. I can go like, I love this person. They're funny. See them. I still struggle. I struggle with female envy with other females. Yeah, I do. Uh, and that's, that's kind of like a bit like, that's kind of like, I don't think people say that enough. Yeah. Well, cause you don't want to admit that like, this, well, was, I think there's a lot of people who fake support. They're, you know, they're, they're women in feminist t-shirts. And like, I just love all these ladies and definitely sit back and like, fuck her. She's not funny. This blah, blah, blah. And it's like, there is, a, look, I, I do struggle a bit with envy. I've, if I get, if I find myself trolling someone else's like Twitter or Instagram, I have to unfollow them like, or block them. Oh, cause you're like, uh, now I'm comparing myself. Yeah. And the comparison I'm... thing. Um, you know, and there is that, I guess there is that feeling as well because we are so, we are underrepresented. Yeah. Um, then that if like if another woman takes it that's a similar genre to me like then I there's nothing for me there's nothing for me like oh she's dirty and charismatic and outgoing oh god there's nothing for me oh no there's plenty for I know and it's ridiculous yeah and I mean it's so crazy but I used to get more like that and now I've just been like oh I'll it comes fine. from a place of fear and lo- you know it comes from a place of fear that, of course. Oh, that I'm not good enough and I think we all feel that yeah but I think it's important to admit it and not be like, oh my God, no, I'm just happy for everyone. No, you're not. It's like, no, not always. You're not. There are still people who I'm not you happy human. for. Yeah. Or you have, mo- even if you like aspire to be happy for everyone, you have moments where you're like, although lately in the last year, I haven't, maybe two years, I have lost the like, oh, why'd they get that? And I didn't. I used to be like that. Be like, well, I'm good enough. And now I... Maybe I'm just dying. <laughs> Never mind maybe, me. Maybe you're just sort of like moving up the ranks a bit more and, and just... It, a lot of this is about sitting down and concentrating on what's on your plate and stop looking yeah. at this, around yourself. Eyes on your own paper is that's something 100%. that somebody said to me once and that's really stuck. I think it was my ex-boyfriend, but... Because you can't control the other the, the, the stuff on other people's plates. No, well, and that's the other side, thing about like how you said you did a tour to kind of just take the reins which is what how I started touring was the same thing as like I'm just gonna do it myself um with a couple girlfriends we did a thing called the walk of shame tour that's <gasps> crazy oh my god which, by the way I have to tell you because don't sue me I won't sue you but <laughs> we put together uh I don't even know if I'm not supposed to say this oh, this was years ago we put together like a pitch package and it, like recently someone like expressed interest in that and then it went nowhere but in the event I don't think it'll go anywhere, but in the event that it ever went somewhere and you saw Walk of Shame, just know that I didn't, I also Sorry. didn't take it's it from you. Look, We've all done the Walk of Shame. It's, do you know what? Walk of Shame is just that. It's universal. It's that synonymous phrase that I don't know how I found it. I don't know why I called it that. Yeah. Because th- there was a prequel and now this is Walk of Shame too. But it's it's like a thing now and it's just like, I, I honestly, like, I didn't just go, I'm just going to call the next one Walk of Shame 2. I went through 50 different names. Like, I was like, I could call the next one Unapologetic Woman. Yeah. And, every, and like, all my highbrow friends were like, oh, yeah, yeah, really feminist. And I'm like, I know nothing about feminism. Yeah, well, that's the thing, too, is that, like, I wouldn't want to have a super feminist name and attract the wrong audience because it's like, oh, well, I'm, I, of course, I'm a feminist, but my brand of feminism is also, like, filthy. Yeah, well, it's also, like, feminism is equality, which means you have to acknowledge that women can also be shit, too. <laughs> Like, we can be really disgusting. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
Well, I just think Walk of Shame. There's, it's just this universal. You can. It sounds fun. It ties in with my, like it ties in with my demographic, which is just females of all ages, and it's you know it sells tickets. It sells yeah. tickets in Western Australia. And well, because it's because it's, it's so universal, and people go like, I know what she's talking about. Yeah. And then you know, in two more tours, you can do the Stride of Pride or whatever. No, it's damn gonna, it, it's gonna be Walk of Shame forever, mate. Forever Walk of Shame, still yeah. full of shame. Sixty, just like the hobble of shame. Oh my God, just the like. <laughs> My shame, my shame cane. <laughs> oh, fuck. So with your sobriety, are yeah. you, I guess you sort of just said this, but like, um, so you're sort of like a person who dives into the sobriety. Do you approach it the same way you approach like how you sort of obsessively handle your comedy where you're like, I have to dedicate time to focusing on my recovery. Yeah. I mean, look, my, my recovery goes in, in waves and troughs and peaks and all that business. You know, I struggle with 12 step. I'm not going to lie. The whole sort of higher power stuff stresses me out. Yeah. But then I look around and I go, you know what, what else is on offer? Cause I couldn't, deal i couldn't try and moderate without a fucking framework yeah like moderation the anxiety of like oh it's fine i'm just having one drink one drink oh god i'm just having one drink does this mean i'm on a relapse oh my god right does this mean maybe if i just have two drinks i'll just have two drinks i'll just i'll just have two drinks a night and that'll be fine maybe if i just drink beer beer well beer's fine okay cool i'm just gonna have one blowout one blowout okay <laughs> it'll be fine that i couldn't handle on a fucking constant level no so it's like I have to just... Yeah, just, you know, and I just go to meetings and, you know, at the end of the day, the idea, the, you know, it's a way of living, isn't it? It's, you know, the whole sort of like handing stuff over. Giving it up and like realizing you can't control everything. Yeah, I mean, that's that's typical. Dealing with what you can control. Yeah, but that's still keeping your eyes on your paper. Yeah. So it's still practical, quite practical advice. So actually, a lot of the advice is quite common sense and helping another recovering alcoholic. That's really great advice. Yeah. Going to meetings um, are amazing. You know, it's amazing. And it's kept me sane this fringe, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, going to meetings is just sharing your shit, getting it off your chest and feeling like you're yeah. not alone. And it's, and it's not within your peers. It's, there's no competitiveness. It's with some old dude that used to live on the street some like celebrity that's trying to go into covert, some new hipster kid, some gay guy that's used to dancing and doing chem sex. You know what I mean? Oh it's like, God. it's just this whole, everyone from everywhere, all ages, all different levels of sobriety. And you're all, it's like a community, isn't it? Do you think some people do compete? They're trying to be like the most sober. They're like, yeah, they're like, <clears throat> I'm James. I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober for 25 years. No, they've usually got humility at 25 years. It's usually <laughs> the guy that's like, you know. He's been sober for a week. Yeah, he's like, I've been sober for a week. I just, I've been in a new place. Were you one of those people when you first got sober that was very like high and mighty about your sobriety? No, I was an absolute nightmare. I'd be like, oh my God, I'm going to Glastonbury in my first week. And people <laughs> were just like, she's going to be, she's going to be fucked she's not gonna make it <laughs> yeah everyone every, like three years before you like i'm four years now but people were like yeah when you came in we thought you were going back out again <laughs> so they're like she's not gonna last yeah that's, but that's so funny. that's so true but then it's it's kind of thing you never know you never know if you're gonna make it through yeah um you just have to keep coming back it and works I, if you yeah, work most it. of my shares were like i love dick <laughs> <laughs> but like a bit more a bit more words than that but that's the undercurrent of the thing like, like i want to fuck dick i want to fuck dick i want to fuck dick i need something to i need something to fill a fucking hole yeah god don't we all um so do you feel like on that note did so uh we've talked about this a little and off off air too but like getting sober do you think you've found other things you're addicted 
Yeah, well, to, I do, yeah. And do you think that like at some point you're hoping to work on those as well? Or are you just like, this is just where that goes and I'm just going to let it go there? Uh, I don't know. Look, I'm, I'm less I'm, I'm less of a sex addict than I was previously. Yeah. First, first two years of recovery was absolute nightmare, like porn all the time. Like it was just, I couldn't keep my hands out my pants. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it was like 18, but like it was just, just all like, I was doing. Oh, wow. Because uh, well, it's like, well, normally I would drink. Well, that's it, isn't it? And I've, I, you need a buzz. And for me, it was drink, drugs and dick, the holy yeah. trinity of addiction. Fuck. And it's one of those things you can't abstain from because you need to have a healthy... I'm in a weird place with men and relationships and all that stuff, but um, I'm just I'm on a bit of a man ban. I'm all about the sort of platonic love at the moment. Nice. Trying uh, to, like, just be chill. Just try and sort of, like, stop reaching out for dick when I feel... When you feel like the when what you really need is like love from yourself, but you're like yeah, shoveling yeah. a penis in somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, it's got to the point I can't enjoy one that stands anymore. <gasps> Me neither. Oh, it's so annoying. Oh no, it's yeah, it's sometimes I miss the convenience of being able to enjoy casual sex because yeah. I because you still get those feelings of like I'm of like wanting sexual fulfillment but it's like i can't if i'm not intimately connected with someone i'm like i'm not gonna i don't think i've ever had intimate connection with anyone having sex but like you know even the skin on skin action of somebody like holding someone and and you know having you know just the whole that even though even if it's someone you don't know very well it's still intimate isn't it yeah and i yeah but yeah i know what you mean It's, it's yeah if you're not like with or connected to the person yeah i can't i don't even know i would feel gross how what does that look like I mean, connected to someone, you have to let down your emotional walls and just go, here I am, accept me or don't. And then maybe they accept you. And then maybe a few months later, they decide that you're too much and they leave you. (laughs) And then you're like, I'm shattered. I finally opened myself up to someone and they were like, no, thank you. Anyways, I'm fine. Uh, It's hard. No, letting someone in is hard. Not physically. It's really easy. Just (laughs) slide right in there. But... I don't know. I th- that's the thing is I have, I've find that I'm in the past I've been surprisingly good at being willing to like be try to be intimate. Well, I don't think it's weird, but I've had enough friends go like, you're good at loving and that's very hard. And I'm like, yeah, yeah but that's just because I'm a psycho. Um, I don't want to talk about me. What were we saying? Dick. Oh, I miss it. The penis. Mm, yeah, it just I, I have to like be attached to the person for me to care about the dick that's attached to them now. Yeah, I don't know. Look, I think um, I think it's a weird place. Modern dating in 2018, like we uh, women, I think I think women we have to learn about boundaries. A term, and, like not just physical boundaries, but like sex, like emotional. Emotional. Boundaries. Yeah. Because men have got we can't put the self care in someone in a man because it, it, that's quite often they don't read the room. Yeah. Um. But even even small things like don't text me in the day if we're just banging. Yeah, it's like if you don't like me, that's you have to go like look. If you like me and you're like thinking about you want to like go on dates and stuff, that's fine. But if if all you, you want is the sex, but you're like lonely and you want someone to just dump your thoughts on, fuck find off. somebody like fuck off. Yeah, and I I for so long. But the thing is, I will be quite. Rece- I used to be quite receptive to that. But instead, I need to I need to call bullshit. Do you think it's like, like codependence? Yeah, maybe maybe, but it's like oh oh, <laughs> I'll be a vessel from the attention that you give me. But it's like actually bullshit. Just yeah, no, I don't want you to ask how I'm doing if you don't genuinely care how yeah, I'm if, doing. If we're having a if we're having a hookup situation, then then you, there needs to be boundaries in place. You know, it's like if all you want is to fuck me, that's theoretically fine if that's like the thing yeah. you're into. But like keep it at that. Yeah, I don't 
I don't want to be in a gray area with yeah, someone. Yeah, fuck the gray area. But it's like it's black or white. Like yeah. either like if you're if you want to text me during the day, then cool. We we're can dating. Are, we're, we're dating. dating. We're together. Uh, oh, I love that. But the thing is, I, I think we feel embarrassed. We're like, um, oh, do you mind me asking? I, I know we've been having sex for like ten weeks. Yeah, and it's like, when did that happen? Like, I don't it used to know. be like people didn't have sex till they were married, which. I think is that I think is ridiculous as well because like at some point it wasn't because women couldn't get jobs and get paid as much so you had to use it as like a bargaining yeah. chip. <laughs> You're like I'm holding onto this pussy so that I can get a retirement plan. <laughs> but like now that's ridiculous. But the idea that you're fucking someone and then afraid to bring up. Yeah, um, I don't like want to look stupid. Like we're doing, like you, we're doing intimate sexual acts and then we're like, oh, um, like um, I, this is so weird. I have like feelings. <gasps> And I was wondering... Are you just having sex with anyone? Else? Yeah, and it's like, is it ever okay to just assume somebody's not having sex with other people? You're like, well, we talk all the time. We hang out all the time. No. But no one's ever flat out said it. No. Or do you have to go like, are you fucking anyone else? You don't have to be that aggressive, I guess. But like, <laughs> you're like, look, I'm not having sex with anyone else. And I just need to know are you? where you are. Because if you are... We better use condoms. Yeah. I I stay using condoms now. I've... I had a hot streak where I didn't, but I came out relatively unscathed. Yeah, me too. Other than my ego. Yeah, other than me being like, oh, shaming myself. Uh, Why? Uh, um, <clears throat> fuck. What do I want to say? Sobriety. Do you have any advice for someone who's maybe in that area where they're like, I need to get sober, but they're not taking the plunge. Well, just keep drinking until you're desperate enough, isn't it? <laughs> you're right. <laughs> that I'm, not, I'm not going to waste my time trying to convince someone. Yeah, of course. You well, And also you can't. And that's also goes hand in hand with codependence is that like, sometimes you're like, I, I'll put my weight into like, if this person that I'm with that I care about doesn't feel good or they're not happy, I'm failing. And it's, you can't do I, that I was shit. Desperate. I was desperate. I was yeah. absolutely desperate and that's the only way that you know there was nothing else I could do Fuck. and that's the only way I could get sober and my sober sobriety is much more much stronger like you know I was living in a party house for Jesus. the first 18 months and you know going to Glastonbury festival for four days and you know being around people on drugs like I couldn't you know wow do you know what I mean I had to be desperate to not use again yeah you're like I had to be my last resort 100% you gotta have you gotta you gotta be fucking desperate mate fuck because relapsing and going I've seen people that I've luckily touched when I've never relapsed but if you do it's okay you just get back on the wagon when you can yeah just get back in (laughs) it but um I just I don't know if I could do it all again you're like I can't go through the fucking rigmarole when you first got sober um were you one of those people who like anyone who drank you're like you're probably an alcoholic no <laughs> that's like my mom anytime like when i started I went, I went to college and i'd be like oh we went out we grabbed a beer and my mom's like well you know alcoholism runs in your family I'm like no alcoholism throws up on the couch in my family but <laughs> thanks mom yeah i did see you as a child i know that um and she's just very like my mom's someone who's part of her identity is drinking well is sobriety now. Oh, is it? But she's someone who like treats AA like it's her sports team. You know what I mean? Like very, like the way a soccer hooligan would be like, Manchester. She's like, AA. (laughs) (laughs) I joined a sorority and I talked about like, oh, you have big sisters and like, they sort of are like your, you know, uh, they just sort of are your like, uh, you know, they tell you things and you you can go to them like as an advisor for 
you know, life questions. And she's like, oh, it's just like AA and your sponsor. And I was like, yeah, we're just like AA as, a, as I'm like doing a beer bong. <laughs> like, well, it's community, mm. in it? It's community. That's all yeah. it is. Um, Which, and it's like, I, if that's how you need to, everyone's sobriety is different, but. Yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely like an element of my identity now that is wrapped up in sobriety. And I do worry about how much of my ego is in that. Is that, do, do you hit that a lot when you're working on steps where you go like, am I just doing this to go like, look how sober I am. Uh, yeah, there's a definitely an, e- yeah, 100%. Like for my fourth year, I was like, oh my God, I'm so changed. And I wrote this very sort of like egotistical post. It's still online now. I'm going to keep it up. Yeah. And you're like, oh, why didn't it get more likes? Yeah, the book. Do like 100, day, 100 days sober. I was, just, I was just like, oh my God, you know, I'm four years. Now I can really do this, this and this. I'm so well. And the thing is, at that point, I was not very well. That's so funny. It's just, yeah, there's a fucking ego. I've got an ego problem, mate. Well, the thing, I mean, not to be cliche, but like, at least you're aware of it. That's the first yeah. step into figuring it out is yeah, that yeah. there's some people who are so ego that they don't even know that it's their ego. Yeah, I do. Stri- yeah, I look, it's, it's a, that's the step in stripping it down is you go, oh, fuck, here's a thing. There's a, there's a weird thing. The recovery means I need to have an element of humility and reduce ego, yeah. which is my biggest defect of character. Yeah. However, going out and producing a 100-day tour when you are relatively unknown needs... A, really a little bit of ego. We need really high ego. That's the weird thing about it's comedy. Is like it's this like low self-esteem, high confidence. Yeah. Weird. <sighs> yeah, because I like to think I've been actively working on like overcoming my ego, but then I'm like, well, I, I you have to have some to ego and ambition are very. T- it's very difficult to have that fine line of straddling between the two. Yeah, it's very difficult. Uh, and uh, high ego. What you mentioned there, high ego. Um, it's like if I have a failure, if I'm feeling sad, I'm like, oh my God, everyone's just going to think like how unpopular Eleanor is. Like no one's looking at well, you, Well, nobody's Eleanor. looking at anyone else. No. But we all go like, they all think I'm dumb. They think, and it's like, they're all thinking about themselves. It's like, even when I'm high ego, I'm low ego. Even when I'm low ego, I'm high ego. It's Yeah, it's a clusterfuck. It is a clusterfuck, but it's all based in ego. Yeah. It's all based in fear, low self-worth. So that's why you have to work on your internal self. Yeah. And like stopping those like fear-based reactions. That's really true. Yeah. You have good recovery for someone that's not in recovery. Yeah. I sometimes think about going to Al-Anon or CODA CODA meetings. Yeah. I was thinking about doing Al-Anon. I think I've inadvertently probably done parts of the steps without knowing this is such and such step because I've just been doing crazy self-care. I remember when I, I don't know if I can call it a rock bottom, but... And like I had a really bad year in 2012 and I was like going crazy and suicidal and all yada, yada, yada. But I remember, I rarely talk to my mom, but I remember talking to her and we, we catch up uh, via an app cause she lives in Korea. Kakao. Do you remember that? Did they have that then? No. She, Eleanor lived in Korea. Yeah. Um, South Korea. And I remember my mom's got borderline and she's very flippant about things sometimes, but I was she married to a Korean. No, she's married to a, uh, extremely light skinned Jamaican man who's missing a finger that she met in Alaska. A Jamaican in Korea. He was in Alaska, which doesn't make sense I mean, either. Korea, just my surprise, Korea is one of the most homogenized nations on earth. So it's very... It's very Korean. It's very Kim. Yeah, you like look around and, I'm, and you're like, oh. It's a, it just is how it is. But my mom being old and borderline and a cuckoo bird is like they're all racist here and they I'm are like, all racist i'm not gonna like koreans are really super racist and i'm like well not you- koreans outside of korea just koreans in korea I'm, but i'm like oh you mean you feel like they probably feel if they came to wherever you lived but i don't know 
Um, uh, it's, it's it is a very it's a very, it is can be it can be quite a little bit. I mean, if she's got a non-white husband, well, yeah. he's he looks white. He presents as white. He's like he presents as white. I know that's so silly. His his mom is like light tan. It's like generational years of they were Jamaican, but like white and black mixing, and then it's just kind of he's more. Of he's got like black features, kind of, but is white. I should talk about it more on stage. I don't at all, and I don't know why, because that's just a plethora on its own of having a white Jamaican stepfather who's missing a finger. Um, my this guy that I used to hang out with in Korea was Korean, but he 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 lived in Hawaii. Oh. And that was a real big head fuck for the Korean people. They were like, "You look Korean, but your Korean is terrible." And they're like, "How dare you?" Yeah, they're like, "Shame." They're like, yeah. And he, every time I'd leave the country, be like, "Hey, man, can you get some crystal meth and bring it back?" I'm like, "No, I fucking can't bring some crystal." <laughs> bring I don't even crystal meth. I was just like, I don't even know, like I didn't know what crystal meth was in 2001. Yeah, like back in the glory days. I was like, mm, we don't have crystal meth in England, souls. Mm. Otherwise, I would. I would love to, but we don't make that here. <laughs> we don't have uh, motorhomes hey, in the you, desert. Can you bring me some crystal meth. Give me some of that crystal. And it's like, what are some you doing? Fucking douchey people in Asia. Uh, Expats. Oh God, yeah, for sure. Mom, we, 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 <laughs> we don't send our best men to Asia. Let me put oh, it that way. Fuck. Ah, well, what can you do? Oh wait, that was. A, I remember having this like breakdown and thinking about. I don't know what brought this to my mind, but I was just thinking about, like the tendencies of alcoholics and like. And, and just the like patterns that they exhibit like emotionally and whatever. And I remember saying to my mom, like, I feel like I, I, I'm acting like an alcoholic, but I'm not drinking. Yeah. And she just very flippantly was like, yeah, you're the child of an alcoholic. Sure. And I was like, oh, so your alcoholism is my problem. And she's like, yeah. Well, that's you it. have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you learned from your mom how to cope with life. Which was not. Exactly. And my mom's way to cope with life was to be like, well, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? I don't think, I don't, I mean, I don't really buy the whole like alcoholism is a disease and illness. I'm like, I didn't sit on a f- fucking toilet seat and catch something. But it's uh, a, that's the tricky part about addiction because people go like, it's a disease. And I'm like, it's not. You, you started it. Yeah, I mean, I think. There's I think no that- other disease where you're like, I'm going to take this. And see if it gives me a disease. Well, besides dicks, I guess. But it's more—it's more like like how you learn to co- cope with stuff. How you cope with stuff. It's like a craving, and then you take something to satiate the craving, and the craving, and it wears off, and you take it again, and it becomes a tighter spiral until you're just fucked all the time. Yeah. Do you think some of it is? Because here's the thing I realized about myself in the course of going, oh, I'm acting like an alcoholic, but I don't have an alcohol problem, and then examining that. But like, I realized I'm addicted to emotions Mm, yeah like emotional high so that like if i don't feel something strongly i don't feel like i'm alive sure and like that's that's i have um could like uh, uh, i think addicts and alcoholics like 10 out of 10 experiences or zero out of 10 experiences yeah just like they feel like shit or or amazing and if they have like a five out of 10 or the sort of you know they're sort of like like a mid mid range level they don't like it it's so boring like yeah like for example like if i go on a date with a guy and we get a pint of beer he'd get a pint of beer i'd get a glass of wine if if i drank if he didn't drink quick enough i'd leave i'd walk out like, like, oh, this guy sucks yeah i was like this is <laughs> yeah i would be i'd be like you are boring as hell boring moderation this is bullshit i don't want moderation i want extreme i want to run wild with you yeah i used to like get chaotically i think i i was like Sex, but also like love addiction, where you cling, like you get that one little feeling, and you're like, "Let's just dry, ride, ride this into the ground." That's it. But then when I'd get in relationships, and then it would kind of subside and just get calm, I'd be like, "I guess I don't love you anymore." Sure. 
And you're addicted to the drama. You're addicted to the drama, whether it be good drama or bad drama. Just like emotional highs. Sure. And you, you put action in off emotional highs and lows. Yeah. Which is why Edinburgh is so like, difficult and you need someone to talk you down and go, you've got a perception problem. Your show isn't shit. People are coming. You know, it's like yeah. you, you, sh- you, you aren't shit. And you go, yes, I am shit. I'm going to act shit. I'm shit. And then by the end of it, you're like, I am shit. Yeah, you are shit. But that's because you thought you were shit mid-run and started acting shit. And then you started acting like a shit bag. Yeah. I've done a lot of trying to get okay with calm feelings is like a thing that I, that's my new like active. Because I've only in the last like year or two started even being able to feel calm. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but moments where, because I felt like, if, what changed? Because um, you, you didn't have a rock bottom. I think it's just like growth. Well, I got I got broken up with last September. And realistically, the relationship, I, I've said this to the guy. It's not a secret. Like, I really cared about him, but we shouldn't have been together. It was a thing where I think we would have been better suited as really good friends. But we had this like moment where we were also like a little bit high on edibles. And we talked about that later. We're like, we thought it was like this magic love. And we're like, we were literally high. Uh so we just like, oh, it's so magic. I guess we should be together. I had a thing. Yeah. Well, I did a 10-day silent meditation. That's what my show's about. Yeah. And in the course of that, you have all these, you're just stuck with your thoughts. Yeah. So you end up realizing things about yourself. Yeah. And I hit this moment where you've I- you've got no distraction. Yeah. So you're just in there. And I realized several things, but one thing was like, oh, I've had sex with people and gotten into, potentially gotten into relationships. That That one specifically- who I care about, but it's not a sexual thing, but I don't know how to express caring. And you don't know how to get out of it once you've... Once you're in it, and because yeah. it's like, well, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to think that I hate you, but I don't... Uh, but it was... Uh, I, I had a very tumultuous childhood, so I think I lived in sort of a chaotic state yeah. for a long time. I went to this alternative therapist lady. It's kind of sort of acupressure, like where she would push on parts of you and you could feel this like pain and it's like energy that's being trapped. It's trapped in your body being released. It's a whole thing. But, uh, this was probably like three years ago. And I remember leaving there one day and she had like pushed on my chest and she told me that I'm touching, you guys can't see, but she's like, this is as hard as I'm pushing on you. She showed me somewhere else on my body, but it was the most excruciating pain I'd ever felt. And Why it did just, she push you? just right here on my sternum. She just, t- and I could feel like, like it felt like I was breaking, but the, her whole thing, the whole practice is like, instead of clinching up around it, yeah. she has different techniques, but it's like, you just let it go. She's like the pain. It's, it's not going to last forever. You just let it go. You just have to feel it and just like breathe. And just, so I had this like crazy flashback to my childhood and like crazy shit, but I left there and I, for the first time that I can remember in my whole life, I felt calm. Uh-huh. Like I didn't feel worked up. I don't, it was just like, I just existed, which I didn't even know was possible. Yeah. Like there was no, like I've always lived in. She, yeah, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. she told me, she's like, you live, your body isn't constantly in fight or flight. Yeah. And then realizing that it was even an option to not feel that way. It was like, holy fuck. But then if you're so used to chaotic feelings, when you start having moments of calm, it's almost like, what do I do with it? Am I dead? You're like, what? Hello? Emotions. So getting used to that. Cause and, if, if you're so used to like high strung emotions and like, I'm sad, I'm so excited. It feels boring or it feels like yeah. something's wrong. It's hard to see the value in the, um, the calm. Yeah. Um, and that's something I've learned this Edinburgh. Cause I've just, I've just been really boring going to bed straight after my show, going to meetings in the morning, doing coffee in the morning. That's it. How do you feel about the calm though? 
do you still feel? Um, I, I felt like it was difficult to see the value in it. Yeah. Like I'm not going to the bars. I'm not engaging with external things. But then a few things happened that, and I, you know, and I was able to sit, like, lean into the calm, if that makes sense. Lean into. Yeah, where it's like, oh, a year ago, two years ago, this would have wrecked me. Yeah, but my show's gotten better during the course of the month, and you know, and that's 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 actually the only thing that matters, and that people are coming. Yeah. Um, are you happy with it? Are you still enjoying it? Mm, that's what really ask matters me in two weeks okay <laughs> when i'm out of this fucking hole yeah this i mean this i've got it's hard because you just have to kind of keep your head down here because yeah, it's just three your more go, shows, go, go. That's it. three more shows i've not been Fuck. doing external shows much uh, like any was that intentional you were like i'm not gonna take it yeah because i just was like hang on why am i doing short five minute spots wouldn't it be better off just for me to spend two or three four hours a day reviewing the footage from last night and just um treating it like a marathon you want to rock up to your show and do the best yeah, job that you can. that's a thing i really envy that you have your like hyper focus has been all into like let me let me look at my show let me see because i've been doing and and it's been beneficial i think in a different way but yeah i compulsively i'm like compulsive about needing to do spots and also since i'm not doing a regular stand-up show there's a big part of me that's like yeah. i need people to know that i'm not just this weird theater lady like it's yeah. just like no i can i can do it i'm a stand i'm a stand-up i'm a fine yeah, i'm good yeah, i can yeah. do that i'm good but that's all. You just come back next year and just do a show. I think so. I'll do a stand-up Let's show. Let's go on tour together. Yeah. Oh, my God. That'd be funny. Oh, my God. And then we just get we in could, a fight no, for no, no you'll reason. You'll be the American version. I'll be the English version. And we'll be like... Oh, my God. And we tell, like... We, we, we go and we tell a story at the same time, but we use, like, different Accents. verbiage. Verbiage? Is that You're like, I went to the loo. And I'm like, I had sex with a man named Lou. And people are like, they're crazy. And then I slip <laughs> on a banana peel, but it's actually a dildo and it hits someone in the face. And we're like, whoa, we're zany. I don't deserve zany. anything. Oh, what a word. Uh, what a terrible... Like I, I feel like people describe people as zany as like a fun compliment, but then you're like zany. I don't oh, know. It's like what my dad says, you know. It's like if someone were to describe me as zany, I feel like they just see me as like riding a unicycle in a funny hat and being like, whoa, <laughs> I'd be fine with it. Are you listening, Guardian? I'm kidding. <sighs> it's fine. It's funny, like, uh, yeah. Uh, no, 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 no one's got any reviews this year. No. <laughs> we will start sobbing. I'm kind of glad. Whatever. Um, closing thoughts? Any closing little thoughts. gems you want I don't know like what what sort of gems do people usually give in the closing yeah, I don't know um, do you have anything about like sobriety um, it really, you don't have to have anything oh no I want to I want to leave the listeners with like a nugget of stuff but I don't know what that nugget might be um, and I think that's really the nugget is sometimes <laughs> you just don't know what the nugget is until you get there well that's it just live a day at a time don't enjoy the process guys one day at a time let go let God I'm repeating things I've seen at signs at AA meetings. I can't, you've been to AA meetings? Oh, my mom used to take me with her. I hate your mom. Like, I hate people that bring their kids to AA meetings. Yes. It's so fucking annoying. They're running around. I'm like, just control your shit. There's times where I just like sit in there. Oh, here's a question I have before. And then I'll wrap up. So like sometimes I have friends and like, I think we've all, some people have done this where they'll watch shows like Hoarders or like My 600 Pound Life and they're like, oh, I feel better about myself. <laughs> Do you ever get that in AA meetings where you're like, well, at least my rock bottom wasn't that bad? No. <laughs> no, I think you, you realise that everyone's got, you know, it's not about who got the worst end of the deal. I think it's just about the compulsion 
you know, my compulsion is once I have a glass of wine, that's it. All bets are off. We're fucking going through whatever that is. Now we're having the bottle. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, we're going to go, we're going to go high drama, high energy until the body gives out and either I'm incapacitated or I'm in hospital. That's fuck. But that's, that's just the way that I drink. And that's the way I've always drank. Did you, when you first got sober, did you get, because I will say when I, I'm a pretty social, like outgoing person in general, but when I drink... I get a little buzzed. I definitely am like life of the party. We're fucking having fun. Yeah. Woo. Like a bit of a woo girl, which I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm a woo girl, but then I'm a woo girl for like a good amount, like 10 to 11. And then I'm like the, then you, oh then you keep God, drinking. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to tell, I'm going to corner a stranger in a fucking house party yeah. and tell you all my depraved fisting stories. <laughs> <that we're done. laughs> Right, there are none, but do you know what I mean? The extremity, like, yeah. And then I did this. Oh my god, thank you. It's been so nice to share this. What was your I name? I love again? you. We, we can be friends now. And she's just like, oh my god, I'm gonna Help. get a drink taxi. God, get me out of here. Did you at first was socializing? Were you like self conscious about having to like? No, nah, not really. Like, but I did set about... boundaries. No, I did, look. I just realized how boring everyone was when they were drunk. Mm, so you're like, oh, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I don't miss that at all. Do you know what? I thought that getting drunk and getting high was the most magic. It was the only place to be. I didn't realize that a people didn't drink like me. Yeah, and that there was a world like outside. I thought we were all blacked out. Yeah, I genuinely no. I was like, <laughs> me too. In college, my sophomore year, my best friend was like, I don't remember anything from last night. And I'm like, well, yeah. That happens all the time. And she's like, that's never happened to me. And I was like, uh, you suck. <laughs> You're a bad drinker. Drink more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, but realizing, I'm sorry. You thought that. I can't remember what I was saying. How, how boring it was to be drunk. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was interesting to see it from the other end, like living with people and hanging out with people that on drugs. It was the first time I'd done that sober. And I would not recommend it if you're newly sober. Don't go and hang out in a crack den for like the first week of sobriety. I, I definitely don't recommend that. <laughs> but that's what happened. You know, that's... Try to maybe, I would say like, I, I'm just one person, but try not to be in crack dens at all if you can avoid it. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> But see, you're like, now that I'm four years sober, I can go back to the crack den. <laughs> I hang out at the crack den. Yeah. It's a step 12. 13. I don't know. I could have Step 13. Is it? I don't remember. Wait, but seeing people. But seeing it on the other side, I was like, oh, the, the allure, the magic got taken out of it. And it's, it's actually kept me sober because I was like, oh, oh, it's gross. You see it for what it is. But you're, cause, but, uh, yeah, I never really see it. But um, in terms of going to bars and stuff, I'd, I'd just go. Th- you know, I'd go for two hours, I'd do the rounds, but the, the moment that someone says the same thing again for the third time, I leave. Oh, God. Yeah, I've been, I see a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, you talking to yourself in a mirror? No, just the when you're sober and you see, like, the drunk person repeating themselves and you're like, okay. But, yeah, the shock that life existed outside of that, it's just mad. It you're just, like, oh, I'll never be able to have fun if I'm sober. Yeah. And then just, going, oh, I can. Do you know what? When I was in it, I didn't realize how small my world was, but now I'm out of it. I realize that. And that's, that's really mad. And life is big. Yeah. Life is really big. Life can be really, really big. If you, you know, like, if you let it. Yeah. If you let it. And I just, I didn't really see that. And there's, there's a, you know, fear of investing in life. And I don't feel like that now. I do feel fear all the time, but at least I can recognize it when it's fear. Well, at least now you go, Oh, this is fear. And I'm just going to have to, get through it yeah. sit with it whatever one thing is that is annoying about sobriety though is that before if i feel an emotion i just drink and it's gone and it's gone now you have to oh that's the thing when you're being sober especially i didn't know i had a food addiction i didn't know i had any addictions till i started eating healthy which i've gone off the rails on but i had one like three week period when i first got diagnosed with uh, rheumatoid arthritis where i read about like how diet helps and giving up sugar i realized i'm like 
oh, I shovel this f- feeling down with a, yeah. a, a food or a dick. So I was just crying on a train and being like, I guess I just have to feel it now. <laughs> but yeah, feeling it is horrible. It's it's really difficult. It's really difficult. And I know this sounds arty farty, but if you're not if you're not medicating your feeling with something, it's it's really hard to sit through it all and process it. And I feel anxiety in a much more intense level than I ever felt it before. Yeah, I get panic attacks. But do you just go okay? Because I I now go like. Most of the time, I st- I, there's a still times the other day I had like too much caffeine and I couldn't separate myself from my emotions, but I go like, okay, well, this is anxiety and it sucks. And then trying to figure out what it's attached to, but also going like, it's not going to be here forever. That's it. A, th- a big thing I learned was going like, yeah, this feeling's here, but this every feeling pass. passes. This yeah. too will pass. Another this too shall pass. Yeah. This is another, another 12 step thing, isn't it? Which was a big thing in my meditation. And like, I heard it all the time going to my mom's AA and been like, I don't even know what that phrase means. And then going, oh, oh it's a lot of things I think you hear repetitively and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, you just, a lot for a lot of that stuff, I think you have to have a moment of clarity where it really washes over you and you go, Oh, I understand it now. So you know what? Even the, the sort of higher power God stuff, I think it's not really about believing in an external a God. Thing. No, it's, but it's, it's just giving things up. It's, it's about, it's about going, I can't control this. Therefore I'm going to release myself from the pain of stressing about the pressure it. of a thing I can't control. Absolutely. 100%. That comes to keeping down, you know, but it's not about like being submissive and just going, Oh, well, I'll just let it, let it, I'll do nothing. And just let the magic of the universe take over. Unless you're my lunatic mom. Who's like, I'll just give it up to God. And it's like, okay, well, God's not to- going to watch your children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, God yeah. can't feed us mom. Yeah. So it is about, <laughs> putting as much effort in your part but then realizing there are things that you you will never be able to control that's and there's it. no sense in getting anxiety over like that's it what if someone it, else thinks about you and yeah or, i mean you know what well, other people think about you is none of your business yes great another 12-step cliche fuck i need to go to a meeting yeah Alan's a hot pile of material there there is totally it's <laughs> really totally the steps the, you're the walk of shame tour and I'm going to come after you and be like, this is the 12 steps to comedy. I'm oh, don't be Russell Brands. <laughs> oh God. I see his book on your yeah, desk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? Uh, I've just bought his book and I was like, I'm going to hate this book. And do you, you like it? Yeah, I do. I hate when I like, go like, oh, that celebrity. And then I Me like too. watch one interview with them and I'm like, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm reading uh, Russell Brands recovery book, which is essentially the 12 steps. I love and it. And it's just, he's just replaced uh, the, the word he God with, I, with fucked. With fucked. Oh. Are you fucked? Do you want to stop being fucked? Beautiful. Step one. <laughs> People need their own words, I think. All right. Well, this is good. I think life is big. We've learned that. Yep. This has been great. Hand stuff over. You can't control everything. Let go. Let go and let someone else fucking don't worry about it yeah and other people's successes isn't for you to yeah eyes on your own paper eyes on your own paper guys eyes on your own paper what people think about you is none of your business i love that i've heard it before i love hearing it again eleanor conway invented that phrase tell everyone that she said that (laughs) (laughs) um where can people find you oh yeah can people come and follow me please on please go follow her instagram and twitter and facebook i'm just eleanor conway it's spelled the way you think it's spelled e-l-e-a-n-o-r C-O-N-W-A-Y. Go follow her. Go keep an eye on where she's going on tour because you're going to take this one back. On Yeah, I'm going to take it on tour. I'm going to take it around the UK, around Australia. I am trying to sort out an American visa, but it's so hard. Is it? Fuck. Yeah, it is. You've got to be like, you've got to be like, uh, you've got to arrange a three-year tour, basically. And I'm like, what kind of theatre is going to book someone they've never heard Christ. of me, heard of me for three years? But actually, if you are a theatre and you want to book me for three years, then that would help me get a my residency. own. A residency. A residency. That's what it's called. Is it enough if you just did like... 
the same theater once oh yeah i think so i mean look we shouldn't be talking about this on a recorded you're thing, right just in case the um the irs that's not who is in no no about, the people that sort out the. i want to figure out australia i haven't been yet anyway you guys yeah sobriety what a great conversation go follow eleanor conway thank and you so I will, much for um, having me mate thanks for doing this no problem see her walk of shame tour too walk of shame too bye. okay bye, bye.